to this fine radio program and podcast known only as Smoking and Toasting. Well, it was once known as something else, but now it's known only as Smoking <laughs> and Toasting. Yes. Uh, we're Not Smoking we're, and Token, by the way. No. Sometimes people say, I'm like, that's a totally different show. I, I say it by accident sometimes. <laughs> uh, but It uh, does flow. But it does flow. But no, that is a completely different show and one we'll you know, debut later. Uh, no, we're all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to show number 97. Very excited about, you know, crawling towards, creeping towards our uh, Smoking and Toasting 100th show free-for-all. It's on the way, babies. It's exciting. I'm pretty excited about yeah, that. it's going to be awesome. <laughs> uh, and and we have no plan for the show. I mean, we have a plan, but the plan is essentially The for plan be, is, is scheduled chaos. Yeah, scheduled chaos. That's exactly right. So... <laughs> It is really, really going to be awesome. We're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. Uh, we are um, really just very, very psyched to be here. It's it, it's a great day. I'm, I'm really excited about the show today. Uh, I'm really anxious to get into this uh, 10 cigars to pair with, uh, with bourbon uh, yeah. uh, thing. And I, I will tell you where this came from. It came from, I think, kind of an unlikely source. It came from J.R. Cigars. <clears throat> the online um, yeah. cigar retailer. And, you know, I really believe in supporting brick-and-mortar mom-and-pop shops. But I do a little bit of shopping online. Mm-hmm. And when I do, I occasionally will order uh, from JR. And I like some of, the, some of the products that they offer. Sometimes they have good deals. And so as a result, I'm on their email list. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there, there are you know usually lots of emails. Some I have time to read, some I don't. But I clicked on one of them, and it was talking about pairing cigars with bourbon. And it took me to a video. A YouTube video that the guys did uh, with one of their JR guys, and I really enjoyed watching the video and watching him talk about what to pair with what. So I'm, I took notes, and I'll share those notes with I you today. I love it when uh, when the online um, entities do that because yeah. t- it's so nice to share the information. If you go on to uh, Cigars International, is another one like uh-huh. that. that. Yeah, they we, have some great we, yeah, stuff. We all use CI from time to time, especially on their like daily deals. You know, mm-hmm. I watch for those. Sometimes they have the right thing at the right time. They must have. Um, but again, I like to support the brick and mortars. It's you know, it's it's entertaining. It's more fun that way. You get to talk to people. You know, those are all good things. Right, Unless right. You're and you develop a total those xenophobe. Little, you know, yeah. <laughs> In which case, you're probably not as likely to be a cigar smoker because I find that cigar smokers really like social. to hang out and and you know share yeah share that time with other people. So right? on 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 CI though, there's a whole section called Cigar 101 on there. Right, which that's is very really cool. awesome. No, if great. you if you don't know or you're curious about cigars you just want to brush up on your knowledge mm-hmm. man they have great stuff like if you want to know about the sizes when we talk about coronas and um and uh and all the different sizes churchills those kind of things uh perfectos you want to know what those sizes are they actually make a sheet that you can print out and gives you the actual size actual size of those, on there of to the compare ring gauge, cigars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's pretty cool man I, you kudos know to them you know, hey, what's up, Christopher Hart? I just saw you uh, sign on here you know you mentioned uh the xenophobe thing a new article tells us that millennials like drinking at home because going out is just too much trouble. There's a there's a guy that does these little spoof videos and I can't remember his name that he's done a bunch of them and 
And uh, he he gets on there and acts like a millennial on this one video, and he goes, you know, I actually really like my friends' online personalities much more than I like their actual personalities. Like he has all these one-liners that are so funny. That's he goes, good. like one of them is, I don't think I've ever actually looked anybody in the eye. <laughs> He's got so many funny ones. I'll have to see um, if I can find that video. Uh, so uh, I took my wife to see uh, Sam Smith at the Toyota Center last night, mm. and at one point he asked everybody in the crowd. To pull out their phones and you know, light them and, and hold them up, right? And and you know, move them, you know, sway them in the air, right? It was like you had turned on the main lights. Like there was enough light that the Rockets could have come out and played a basketball <laughs> game. Like that's how that's how much phone light was right. in was in the uh, was in the arena. It was Let me ask you a question: When's the last time you went somewhere without your phone? Uh, other than forgetting it, like yeah. uh, uh, when I would have intended yeah. to yeah. take it. Oh, my God. Um, you know, I will say the only thing I can answer to that, it's been a long time since I went anywhere serious, but sometimes when I walk the dog, I purposely don't take the phone. Because huh? I just, you know, I just want to get it over with. I don't want to get snagged on the phone. Then you're standing there with a leash in one hand, got cradling the phone against your shoulder with a right. bag of poop in the other. <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, so. Well, so, you know, I have this Bluetooth device that I use in my right. ear all the so time. so you're right? Mr. Bluetooth. So, yeah. yeah, like, I won't even talk on a phone if I have to put it against my head. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm way beyond that. Way well, above those people. Apparently, now. there's <laughs> some real radiation concerns, and that's a good uh, a good thing. Yes, but most people don't care about people who are talking on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Plus, as long as I have that in my ear, if I'm talking to myself, people just assume I'm talking on the phone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I don't look quite as crazy. And it totally works. Yeah, I try but, to when I talk to myself, I try to make sure I have a bottle in one hand <laughs> as opposed to a phone, and that seems to have the same, you know, sort of, sort of, sort of uh, impact. Uh, so we'll talk. I'll tell you about this. Why millennials uh, like drinking at home? Plus, the thirty-three best IPAs in America right now. I have a list. And Holy so, cow! Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty. Thirty-three it's best. And and I'm 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 a little embarrassed about it to be honest with you. So I'll, I'll I'll tell you why. That's all. Uh, that's all coming up. Plus, we're going to taste some really interesting stuff on the show today. Rhinelander Brewing's good ass beer. Now that's a name. That's a name. Yep. So we'll show you the can and why it's called good ass <laughs> so, beer. Say, bub, what are we going to call this good ass beer? Yeah, I don't know. Let's call it good ass beer. <laughs> hey, bub, what are we going to call our IPA here in Austin, Texas, at Oscar Blues? Let's call it Blue Ferrigno IPA. Blue Ferrigno. We'll be tasting that as well. That's brilliant. Yeah. And uh, St. Arnold's... uh, That makes me want to play the Lonely Man theme. Yes, uh, totally. (laughs) Uh, St. Arnold Bishop Barrel 21, and then uh, for spirits, some Buffalo Trace Eagle Rare 10-Year Bourbon. So very, very excited about the tasting on today's show. We're kind of all over the place there, huh? I I like it, though. That's that's. That's when the show does its thing uh, best. You mentioned our uh, buddy uh, Christopher Hart was uh, joining in on, yeah, on, I just saw on he, Facebook uh, Live. You know, they've got the Houston Whiskey Social uh, coming up. I, I'm not even sure if there's still tickets available. I should I should have checked probably before talking about it, but you should definitely go uh, to their website and check it out. Now, because, it? yeah, it's really just a couple of weeks away, and it is the greatest whiskey event ever i promise you it's it's so worth it well you know if they make it better than last year then it will definitely be the best one i've ever been to because last year's was the best one i've ever been to it's on uh it's on uh saturday the 28th so it's a week from a week this from, saturday yeah. and uh, it's in houston texas and i'm telling you um it's i i can't wait i can't wait if, so we're gonna go down by the way and do and do a segment down there we're gonna take uh, uh take oh, wait a, little, a second yeah are, are we gonna have to show up early well, yes, but that's uh, are we going to have to? Are we going to have to 
sample products. That's when all the good sampling uh, takes are, place. Are we going to have VIP time? Show up extra early. Yes. Oh, this job is tough. Yeah, it is tough. I, I understand. <laughs> I'm asking a lot of you, and I, you know, because you are demanding it. boss. Yes. <laughs> it happens. It goes down that way. Uh, so, um, Ian, did you uh, smoke anything interesting uh, lately? I did. Talk to I, me. Well, uh, I, I was digging around in my humidor, and I have so many random cigars in my humidor because I don't even remember where I get half of them because sometimes, <laughs> like, I just walk into a shop and I'm like, oh, I'll grab one of these and right. one of these. One. I'll buy, like, you know, four or five cigars and then just toss them in the humidor and I'll think about sure, them again right, for a while. Because right. also, I generally like to, you know, season <laughs> them in my humidor for a bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Speaking of which, I want to do a show coming up pretty soon about seasoning a humidor. Oh, good idea. Yeah, I want to talk about that. Uh, but Maybe you but, could even bring a humidor in and show like how to season it on camera. Oh, now that's... I, mm. I probably have an extra humidor. Yeah. That's how you know you've gone to another level when you're like, oh, i got a couple extra humidors. A humidor that's not doing anything right now. Yeah. Right? So I uh, I reached in there and grabbed out one of the more interesting-looking cigars that I have. was the uh, La Flor Dominica. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with the La Flor Dominicas. I mean, you probably are. You, but but you and the audience, if you're not familiar with them, they're usually pretty much the... Um, the strongest cigar in your humidor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 These give, these give yeah. the, the diesels and the man of wars yeah. for their money. They're, they're what the diesels and the man of wars are trying to go for. Exactly. And um, But this is a double Claro. So oh, this is so actually is this their Candela. One? Yeah. Uh, Candela wrapper. And it's a very interesting cigar in our line because it's so different from everything else in our mm-hmm. line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and I was looking. I have a whole stack of double Lajeros, which are huge, right, like right. flavor-wise. They're just crazy huge. And then I had this one lonely Candela, and I thought, well, you need to go ahead and um, and uh, fulfill your fulfill cigar, your destiny. cigar <laughs> destiny. Yeah. So <laughs> That's good. That's really, really good. So, so I took it out and I uh, I did I did a clip on this one because I can't find my lighter with the punch. I think this is two weeks I've talked about mm-hmm. that now. Did a clip with, uh, on this one, and uh, it has this nice uh, thick um, uh, a wrapper to it. Like usually, uh, when you get a uh, candela wrapper, they're usually a lot thinner than this. I don't know what they did. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a thicker wrapper than you expect. The the cap was a little thicker. So I was I was kind of uh, impressed by that. The construction was really pretty on this thing. It was it was a nice pale grassy green. I mean mm-hmm. that's that's pretty common, and it's yeah. very green. Like I'm not saying it's greenish in tint. It's green. Um, and the cigar itself was pretty smooth, nicely, uh, pretty firm roll. Uh, not a lot of veins going on in it or anything. Just real solid looking mm-hmm. construction. Um, smells like grass. Well, the candelas kind of kind <laughs> of do. Like, you know, smells like, like in, freshly mown grass. Right. In in many cases, they've got um, that sort of uh, yeah. Most of them and most of them have that flavor. Smell. This one did not have that flavor. Oddly enough, mm, interesting. This one reminded me almost more of a Drew Estate, like a natural. Yeah, huh. in some ways because. Um, Surprisingly, when I lit this up, first off, at its biggest profile, it was probably a medium cigar. Mm-hmm. So start off a little more mild with some medium spice to it, some pepper spice. Right, and that was right. evident in the pre-light sniff and the pre-light draw, um, but it also smelled like freshly mown grass. Now, once I lit it, that mown grass just kind of went away. Like, it still was there in the, in the, um, in, in the overall, like, scent of the cigar, but it, it went away on the flavor profile and just turned into creaminess and pepperiness. So creamy, peppery is what I got. And then mint. Mint. I know. What? Mint. In a cigar? Mint? Mint. Wow. Mint and like You're fruitiness. Sure. Like I'm not even okay. joking. This is okay. so bizarre. Okay. Yeah. And it was nothing I was expecting. Was out it of this the cigar. ripe dried fruit type? No, thing, or it was, was it like the juicier. It was like citrusy. Wow. Citrusy. In a cigar. 
like like orange or lemon zesty kind yeah, of yeah, citrusy, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. In the cigar, mint and and then a little tiny notes of coffee or mocha. I, I it was it was there but not enough to really truly distinguish it. Right. Um and it smoked like this for about the first third of the cigar. And then the second third of the cigar some of the mint went away. It mm-hmm. got a little peppery or more creamy. The creamy ramped up. Um, it got a little more of the darker flavors, a little more of the mocha kind of flavors, things like that. It never tasted like grass, never once. Wow. It was very strange. And then the last third of the cigar, the mint and chocolate came back. I mean, it really was almost like a flavored cigar at that point, but it was very not flavored right. cigar, you know? Right, right. Uh, the pepperiness came back. It was definitely a full medium by that point in time. This thing was actually a flavor bomb at that point, and it was a total ride all the way through. So I enjoyed it for the fact that uh, that uh, the flavor went, it took me places. I got to experience more than one thing with it. I like the, the different dimensions in it. I'm going to go ahead and say uh, I truly enjoyed it. Uh, I think it's about a 6 or a $7 cigar. I'm going to give it a solid 5. You get exactly what you're paying for. Maybe a 5.5. Wow. Just because it's such a unique experience. And most people won't pick them up because they are unique, you know? Right. And I was going to say, it's not necessarily what I would have been expecting you to say. That kind of complexity, that kind of journey. Right. And a lot of of Kindles really aren't that complex. Right. They may be good in that more straightforward way. But they're not necessarily complex. Agreed. Yeah. And plus, they look cool. Come on, a green cigar. It does look cool. It does look cool. At one time, wasn't that the most popular cigar? Yeah, turn of the century, turn of the uh, 19th century to 20th century was, uh, that was the most popular cigar Mm -hmm. at the time. Mm -hmm. So, and we should have a talk at some point in time about what makes the different wrappers more unique. That's probably another little offshoot that we should do, along with seasoning humidors and things like that. I think what what, what I'll start doing is maybe a small series of videos that we'll put on cigar 101 that videos. sounds I pretty like, cool i like it a an lot. idea is born i uh i smoked something interesting myself this week it was the alex bradley prensado robusto now <clears throat> i've had the alex bradley prensado before in a different size but never had the robusto uh it features a troyes uh honduran carojo wrapper nicaraguan and honduran fillers including more of the tr- specific troyes which is a, a specific strain of the tobacco uh, this cigar was named the top cigar of 2015, uh, and it received a huge rating of 96 mm-hmm. in Cigar Aficionado. I remember that, yeah. Uh, it was beautiful to look at, lovely to sniff, leather and dark tobacco. That uh, Prensado has such a pretty label on yeah, it, Oh, too. it's beautiful. Yeah. The way they use that little blue-green, yeah, almost really uh, stands out. aqua color, yeah. Uh, what else happened was it pretty much exploded with complexity, exploded in a good way, uh, with complexity from the very first puff, you know how most cigars take you know at least an eighth of an inch to kind of calm down. Not this one, man. Boom! Right off the bat, I was getting complexity. I was getting chocolate uh, as I smoked some espresso, mild spice, and of course uh, leather. And it had the most—I don't talk about this a lot with cigars—but had the most satisfying finish to it like it has an oakiness to the finish yes yes that's exactly what i'm talking about and it really was so pleasant that every time you would take a puff and then you would exhale you kind of wanted to hit it again you know it just had it was such a pleasant uh, uh pleasant experience so uh like i said i had a larger size of these last year but this was actually i think for me much better i enjoyed this one much more could have been because I paired it with some 
Skelly and Yeho Tequila. That that seemed to work real well. I bet well. those flavors worked seemed well. Seemed to work real well. The chocolate um, with the vanilla and everything. Yep. Yeah. But I'll tell you, it was one of the more complex smokes that I've had in a while. Uh, it was a $9 to $10 cigar for a Robusto. It better be good at that price. Seriously. Uh, I think a Robusto is more a 6 7 Dollar mm-hmm. cigar. You start talking nine and ten. It's like okay, I'm okay with that, but it needs to deliver. Yeah, it needs to you deliver. don't want to spend nine ten on a robusto and have it not deliver. But I would say price to quality. I'm going to give it a solid six. It nice. was that. It was that complex and interesting. And uh, when I give it a six, I guess what I'm saying is I would not have been disappointed had it been twelve or thirteen dollars. I'd have been cautious, you know. But lighting up. That cigar, even at that price, smoking it and having it smoke the way that it did, uh, I'd have been all about it. So, so there you go. There's my uh, there's my full report. You uh, ready for some good ass beer? Good ass beer. No matter how it tastes, it's good ass beer because that's what it's <laughs> named. Uh, we'll be sampling that in the next sec uh, segment. Plus, uh, a couple of senators have asked the FDA to spare. Premium cigars from needless regulation. We'll give you the details on that. And if you're a fan of the Rocky Patel uh, Super Lijero cigar, uh, you're going to have to get it online only. I'll tell you that coming up. And uh, we'll do more tasting. It's smoking and toasting. Welcome to show number 97. Uh, we're talking about 10 cigars to pair with bourbon. That is uh, coming up, and we'll even maybe give you some hints what bourbon to pair those 10 cigars uh, with. Uh, so that is all coming up. Plus, millennials like drinking at home. Uh, this will give us a chance for Ian to do his millennial impression again, which is uh, actually quite good. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll come up with something. Yeah, yeah. It's actually quite good. Uh, plus, we are uh, going to be sampling. In fact, let's just get to this right now. This, and I'm showing this to the camera now, this is good-ass beer. Not because I've tasted it. But it looks like good-ass beer. That's what it says on the uh, on the can. Uh, what did you say during the break, Ian? Look, oh, it's an oddly generic-looking Oddly generic, yes. <laughs> package. Yes. Yeah, it's, uh, of course, it's got the ass on, on there, the uh, the donkey with the halo made of a, a bottle cap. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it is, that's really about all it says. It's brewed and bottled by the Rhinelander Brewing Company, LLC from Monroe, Wisconsin, and um, it's four point two. It I think it classifies as a light beer. It's uh, it's one hundred and five calories and six point six grams of carbs. So All I right. think it classifies as a light. So this is going to be interesting because this there it was by the way in the single beer. Uh, section at specs where i like to you know go in and 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 buy singles so that we can try uh, different things mm-hmm. sometimes without having to do a whole six pack so yeah see i don't know if i would have wanted to buy a whole six pack of good ass beer without sometimes it's better to try one i love yeah, the mix your own six pack things yeah. because you know sometimes like i'll go in and i'll go hmm, i want an old standby or i want to try this or i want that but but right. sometimes I, you know 
if I can buy one and try it and see well, how particularly like it. with something that may be really kind of off the beaten path, you know. Well, that, that you don't know if you want six of these, but boy, you can try one and then you'll know if you want. Well, six, and if you'd you know? have taken me ten years back, okay, ten years back, right. I probably would have just bought a six pack because there just wasn't as much choice. <clears throat> right, exactly. You know, like something new came out, you just went six, ahead and yes. bought it and you tried it. That's right. Um. But now there's so many choices. There's so many breweries. Everybody's canning beer, and canning, I guess, is less expensive. And it I'm is. fine with canning because there's just less. I'm not, uh, but, but we've had this <laughs> no, discussion. We're gonna fight about that one. We day. are. We are. This is this is gonna be when when you know when that's the show the thing falls that's, apart. That's right. That's the, it's gonna be. I'll be telling people, you know, that jerk Ian. That's right. Likes his beer in cans. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's you know, it's because cans are better. And you'll be like. You know, that guy's so full of himself, he thinks, oh, beer in bottles. Holding me back because he has radio experience. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. So (laughs) here's here's some light beer that describes itself as good-ass beer. First of all, that's a hefty uh, thing. I've always said one of the the mainstay uh, things about life is that you're never allowed to give yourself a nickname. Yeah. Yeah. If other people give you a nickname, I'm down with it. But if you gave your own self the nickname, I'm not calling you by that. Yeah, that gets uh, you a big old. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I'm a little bit worried that the good-ass beer is just what they named it and not what people were telling them that it was. But I haven't tasted it. so It, it doesn't have very much of a smell. It doesn't have an aroma at all, does it? <laughs> like, it <laughs> I'm smells- not getting anything. Like this smells a lot like a solo cup. <laughs> yes. So, mm, interesting. First drink. <clears throat> almost nothing until the finish. And then there's a little something on there's the finish. There's a little malty sweetness on the finish. Mm-hmm. I like the finish better than I like the rest of the beer so mm, far. I would agree with that as well. It's because got there's more nothing flavor. up front. There's no yeah, there's, it's, it's, like, it's really almost Now it is very refreshing. It's very cold and bubbly. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's drinkable. Now, it doesn't stand up. Yeah. Good-ass beer. Big name. <clears throat> little beer. Okay, maybe. so so let's compare it now to other things light. Because it is a light beer. We know this. So, uh, All right. From what's on the can. So how does this stand up against a Michelob Ultra or a Coors Light or a Miller Light or a Bud Light? I'm going to go ahead and put out that this next to a Miller Lite, which if I remember mm-hmm. correctly when we all did our um, light beer light blind beer taste blind test, taste, yeah. Miller Lite at least got on the board because mm-hmm. they have more flavor than the others, whereas Bud Light did not. I would probably enjoy this flavor profile a little <laughs> more than a Miller Lite because... While Miller Lite had more flavor, I don't necessarily like that flavor. <laughs> well, there is that. And this doesn't have as much flavor. Well, you may remember. But the, the finish on this does have a nice little sweetness. This is very. You may, re- may remember the Bud Light Lime had flavor, too. It was just a lemon pledge sort of You were never going to let me uh, live that yeah. down. It was like the only beer we had that had any flavor, really. Yes, I know. What's funny about it is Bud Light Lime, we all said it tastes like lemon pledge. Yeah, I, I felt like <laughs> Kitty Dukakis drinking the lemon pledge. So it was like, boy, there, there's a there's a reference to show yourself. you how old I am. <laughs> You're yeah. dating yourself. I'm dating um, myself, and I don't even find myself that interesting. So um, Good-ass beer, I think, is um, there's not much to it. Mm-hmm. The only thing I'll give it is that little little maltiness on the finish. 
Yeah, it's got a nice enough finish, right. but but the There's whole nothing about it that offends me. Like I don't. I don't drink this and go. Ooh, the whole beginning that's bad. of flavor, the whole middle of the flavor. There's a yeah. There's nothing about it like that's bad, but it's not. I don't know that it's good ass beer. Like yeah. When you put ass after the word good, you expect it to be big. Well, you expect something going on. Yeah, yes, I agree. And this this doesn't have anything totally really going agree. on. So this is all hat no cattle is what you're saying. Yeah. Or all hat no ass. Perhaps, yeah. <laughs> is, is, the, uh, is the way to go on this. It, it, it tastes exactly mm. like it smells. Like almost nothing. Um, two United States senators from Florida, uh, including the one that the president called Little Marco, uh, went to the FDA uh, in an effort to spare the premium cigar industry from some of this harmful uh, regulation. Last week, Senators Marco Rubio, who's a Republican, Bill Nelson, who's a Democrat, uh, got together, sent a letter to Dr. Scott Gottlieb, who's the commissioner of the U.S. FDA, and expressed concern that the agency has failed to consider the consequential impact of additional regulations on Florida's premium cigar industry. Obviously, these two senators are from Florida. Cigars are an important part of the Florida economy, and so that's where a lot of this is uh, coming from. In fact, premium cigars, according to their letter, have been an important industry in Florida for nearly 150 years. Florida is home to America's oldest premium cigar manufacturer, approximately 450 total premium cigar retailers, as well as about 90 manufacturers and distributors. Most of these are small, family-owned businesses, which collectively support about 10,000 jobs. Uh, and they're concerned that the additional regulation of premium cigars could force some of the small businesses to close. I so. want to point something out about our uh, FDA and our government with the whole, like, one-third of the package must be a warning label thing. Yeah. You ever notice how um, when someone is talking to a person that speaks another language and that person doesn't understand, they tend to start yelling at them. Do they speak louder? Yeah, yeah. I feel mm -hmm. like that's what our government is doing because if you can't read it small, you obviously need me to print it bigger so you can read it. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, uh, but other than <laughs> other than the fact of maybe trying to take any sense of beauty or artistry away from, say, the cigar box or, or the band. Well, we don't want to make it look like Brightly colored wanna, candy, so kids well, eat it. Well, we but but they also don't want it to look appealing in any way, right? You know, so I don't know. But that's anyway. Uh, thank you, uh, Senators Rubio and Nelson, for doing yes, very much. for doing your part and getting uh, you know getting us on the getting us on the board there. We appreciate it. Uh, so still no word on how this is all going to go down, but I feel like lately there's at least been a little encouraging news for. The cigar industry and mm -hmm. for cigar uh, smokers and so there you go a lot of encouraging news if you are uh, a cigar and bourbon uh, fan because we're going to go through some pairings uh, for you here coming up in the next couple of segments and uh, oscar blues blue ferrigno ipa I'm <laughs> i love really that. excited i love oscar blues to begin with i've always thought they were uh, one of austin's more interesting and finer uh, breweries so uh, we're going to get to that we got a little bishop's barrel 21 to go and some buffalo trace eagle rare 10 year bourbon is on the Ooh. way. So uh, that's all coming up. We're going to take a, a quick break and we'll be right back uh, with uh, details on the 33 best IPAs in America right now. You're listening to Smoking and Toasting. Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting at show number 97. 
We're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant with uh, locations in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, Texas, and 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, Texas. And they're going to have a... Uh, another little offshoot, a little bar opening across the street from the Houston location. So that's going to be very, very fun, very exciting. We're looking forward to it. So, uh, welcome to Smoking and Toasting. It is so nice to have you uh, on board with us. Now, Ian, as you know, I have a tendency to think of myself as, um, you know, a, a fan or maybe even connoisseur of IPAs. And I'm so disappointed in myself. <laughs> Why is that? Because Thrillist has released a list of the 33 best IPAs in America, and I'm pretty sure I've only tried two of them. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah. So let me let me just we have blast. A, I, need a, I need a pencil because I want to keep track of blast how many through, I've tried. Yeah, let me just blast through the uh, uh, the list real quick. Le Cumbre Project Dank. Love the name. Love the name. I haven't tried it. <coughs> uh, Tired Hands Alien Church IPA. Where are these from? Uh, this one in particular is from Ardmore, Pennsylvania. Uh, La Cumbre uh, Project Danks from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Block 15 Brewing Sticky Hands IPA. Corvallis, Oregon. I feel like I've heard of that. I don't think I've tried it. Yeah, haven't tried that one either. Burial Surf Wax IPA from uh, Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, Toppling Goliath King Sioux from Iowa. Got a batting average of zero so far. I know. Uh, and Brewing's Hooey. I've had... Beer from Lapulin, but I have not had Hooey. Uh, it is a juicy IPA from the Twin Cities from Minnesota. Hmm. So not doing good here. Like I looked at this list, I was like, I didn't know whether to be like horrified at my lack of IPA knowledge. I think we need to buy these and prove this. Well, list. yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, from Freeport, Maine, Maine beers lunch IPA. Lunch. I like that. That sounds great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, just call one pork chop. Yeah. <laughs> Foam Brewers Pavement Imperial IPA from Burlington, Vermont. I've had IPA in Burlington, Vermont, but never had that one. Uh, from Athens, Georgia, Creature Comforts Tropicalia at 6.6%. Uh, from Jupiter, Florida, Civil Society's Fresh IPA. From Chicago, Pipeworks. Ninja versus Unicorn. Love the name. Yeah. Uh, 8% uh, ABV, uh, but never had it. There's the Old Nation M43 from Williamston, Michigan. Like, Aren't you starting to feel completely like now, hold on. you don't let know me, Let me here? count up all the ones I've had. None. Okay. I haven't had a single one of these so far. <laughs> uh, this is described as a pillowy soft tropical haze bomb. Uh, there's Noda. From Charlotte, North Carolina, Noda Hop, Drop, and Roll. Uh, that is a 7.2 from Charlotte, North Carolina. Haven't had it. There's Lamplighter Rabbit, Rabbit DIPA from Cambridge. Um, Cambridge Brewery. So Lamplighter Rabbit, Rabbit DIPA. Hmm. That's uh, a laborious name. Bearded Iris Homestyle IPA. Oh, wait. Stop the presses. I've had this one. Stone Brewing Scorpion Bowl IPA. Yes. Yeah. One. <laughs> one. <clears throat> I don't know if it's even my favorite stone, but I have had it. Yeah, well, you know I'll try anything stone. I'm yeah, such a fan. Yeah. Uh, there's Mother Road's Brewing Tower Station IPA from Flagstaff, Arizona. There's Beachwood Brewing's Thrill Seeker IPA from Huntington Beach, California. Uh, I don't recall seeing that when I was out in California. Uh, there's Weldworks Brewing's Juicy Bits 
from Greeley, Colorado. There's Fair State's Mirror Universe IPA. Some great names here. I mean, I'm intrigued by all of these. There's Treehouse Julius from uh, Charleston, Massachusetts. I'm betting that's a juicy IPA. That sounds Uh, awesome. There's Finback with with Jay Wakefield, Smooth Beats Miami. Smooth Beats Miami, it says, is... uh, is definitely a different sort of IPA. It's from New York. Uh, there's the Trillium Kitar Bear DIPA. Uh, come on, that's like one of the greatest yeah. names on that list. Uh, I know the Trillium. Anything Kitar having bear. to do with a Kitar? Yeah, and and a bear and a bear. Yeah. <laughs> there's a Hill Farmstead Abner from Greensboro, Vermont. There's three taverns, Rowdy and Proud from Decatur, Georgia. You know what I love about this list, though? Even though I'm like, where the hell do these beers come from? They're from places like Decatur, Georgia and stuff. Like, It just tells you that the whole country yeah. is producing great beer. Mm-hmm. You know? It's really awesome. Ah, I've had this one. New Belgium Emperor. Yes. Remember we tried we it, on the, it on the show? Yes. yes. Uh, that makes was, two so far. Uh, they, do, they do say that... Uh, uh, one of the reasons it makes the list because the name is gangster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, the, New Belgium's quality anyway, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah, they really, they, they really are. Uh, there's Green Bench, uh, Sunshine, Sunshine City from St. Petersburg, Florida. Transient Artisan Ales, The Juice Is Loose from Michigan. There's Fulton. I had that Sunshine City when I was in Florida, I believe. Did you? Yeah. Sorry, when you said it, it like Green gave Bench. me a second. Oh, is it possible? I'm one. Is it possible that you've had more of the IPAs on the list than I have? <laughs> like I had Uh-oh. to think about that. The first night we got there, my friend had some in the fridge. The sunshine, because I remember the Sunshine City. I didn't remember the brand. Uh, there's uh, Fulton 300 from Minneapolis. No. There's Hop Butcher for the World's Galaxy Bowl. There's Hopworks Urban Brewery Totally Chill Hazy IPA from Portland, Oregon. There's the Fort George Three Way IPA from Astoria, Oregon. There's Ex Novo Brewing's Not Too Bright from Portland, Oregon. And that's the list. That's the 33 best IPAs in America right now. I've had three. I guess we need, to, to I, we need to make a trip. You actually beat me because I only had two of those. <laughs> and here I thought, I thought, oh. No, I, I, I didn't even remember until after you said it. I had to stop and think about it for a second. I was like, wait a second, wait a second, something back there. Yeah, well, I... I did notice Texas IPAs were strongly underrepresented. Now, now hold on. What, what are you pulling out there? Well, I was pulling out a little Blue Ferrigno IPA. <laughs> you know, you're a funny man. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're thinking of Blue Ferrigno, you, you, you have to think about the Hulk TV series. And oddly enough, the can isn't green. See that—that's the one mistake they made at Oscar Blues. They uh, made it a blue can instead of a green can. See, there it is. But uh, yeah, living the blue dream. It says uh, blue Ferrigno. So I guess they're obviously their theme is blue, not uh, not green. So that's the reason we have uh, a little blue Ferrigno. Yeah, you're loving that, aren't you? You're just loving that. <laughs> you know, it's funny because from the audience perspective, I love the crappy canned music sound. Yes, of the, of the little phone <laughs> the speaker. Little and the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, normally I can't stand to listen to music on a cell phone speaker. Oh, no, my wife drives me nuts when she wants to show me a video on the phone. It. Yeah, can't stand it. Drives me nuts. But uh, 
But when it when it comes to a medium like this, I think it's the right sound. Perhaps you were correct. <laughs> so. I don't know if it's still picking up. I think I'll just, we'll you just leave it on. Start that over and leave it in the background. <laughs> All right, here we are. Here we are with the uh, Oscar Blues from Austin, Texas. Uh, Blue Ferrigno. It is um, six six point four three percent alcohol well, by first volume. off. Um, I think it beats out our last beer in the fact that it actually has an aroma. I was going to say, I'm not surprised it's beating out the last beer. Because that honestly really wasn't, as as beers we taste on the show go, that was one of the less flavorful ones. You know, um, This might be simultaneously the dankest and citriest IPA I've ever had. Well, that's interesting because I wasn't expecting that necessarily. I was expecting more of a straightforward sort of mainstream IPA sort of you're right this is almost a uh, like you can smell the like dank in it too pop yeah you, know? you can smell the dank in it too the mouthfeel is very um it, it's almost soda pop mouthfeel i have to tell you that's delicious it's good yeah. it's good i don't know that it's my favorite thing cuz it's a lot of what it is remember uh when i refer to chewing on a pine cone there's a little bit of that in here um See, I'm almost not but, getting that because of the citra. But it's balanced, and that makes a difference to me, mm-hmm. you know, in that it's not just just pine coney flavors, because it does have this nice dankness that follows through the whole thing, a little sweetness on the end of that. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the music is just like... I know, it just really creates the mood for this uh, stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so incredibly low tech. It's just not even like not even worth mentioning. I just have the I just have the phone leaning against my mic stand. Yeah. So, you know. well, mm. All right. So I have to say I really like this. But as I drink a little more, I am picking up on what you're talking about about it being a little heavy on the pine cone. Yeah, it's a little heavy uh, on a pine cone for me. But man, it's got that citrusy thing mm. right in the middle. One thing's for sure. But this you know, is a bold IPA. It's so not, that's. They're not screwing around. That's really up front in the character. Um, uh, the the middle of the character and the finish on this are very, very pleasant. Mm-hmm. It's just that right up front thing. I don't know if maybe this is one of those beers where after you drink uh, a third of the can um, that you kind of acclimate to it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't know why I find that funny. I really don't. <laughs> it just keeps going. I just don't know why it's funny. It just auto-played the next track. I just don't know why it's funny. Uh, right, um, so well, you think you might acclimate to this after uh, a third of the uh, I wonder, you know, after about the first the third of the can, if, you're, if your flavor palette may uh, acclimate to this enough to where that's not quite as noticeable. Now, keep in mind, we did come from tasting a beer that pretty much tasted like like wet paper. Well, I'm, I'm yeah, well, at first, we're just happy this has flavor. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. uh, because the last one, other than that little uh, maltiness on the finish, really didn't really have didn't much have flavor. didn't have much of anything. Yeah. Right. Uh, it wasn't a bad tasting beer. It just didn't taste like much of anything. It just wasn't a tasting right, beer. Right, exactly. Uh, but this one is very, very full. Boy, the one thing I'll say, they didn't mess around at Oscar Blues. Like They, no, and they I, went for it. On uh, see, and also Oscar Blues, so much like Stone, much like there's, there's some companies out there that just absolutely love because everything they do is quality, and this is quality product. It's mm-hmm. not maybe my favorite flavor profile product, but I love their Old Chub. I love their... Uh, I love that, yes. Yeah, I, I love most of their... The Dale's Pale Ale, I think, mm-hmm. is just a great, oh, great beer. Love you know? Dale's, yes. 
And also, I think I like Dale's better than I like this. Yeah, this and this this has an astringency. It kind of leaves in my mm-hmm. mouth too. Yeah, after the after you've put the drink after you've down, processed it, yeah, right. There is <laughs> there is some some real lingering bitterness that yeah. that is not as enjoyable, I think, as some. Now I do appreciate the fact that they're unforgiving about it. They're like, here it is, bam. Oh yeah, and now, it's that's in your what face. I was saying they didn't mess around. They 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 said we're going for um, it, so. and they didn't. They didn't build in fear. You can taste the quality in it. I just don't think that one's to my taste personally. That's gotcha. a little more yeah. pie and coney than I want. Well, I don't. I don't guess we'll add it to the list of the thirty-three best IPAs in America. <laughs> Probably but, not. Uh, but it was worth. But it was worth checking out, and and definitely worth drinking. I, I I would recommend this if you're an IPA person who likes trying different you know different IPAs. Yeah. This this should be on your list. It should be it on really the list should. because it's 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 an extreme version of the style too. Mm-hmm. It's yes. a very extreme version. of Yes, the style. it is. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, it's going to be time to taste some Eagle Rare. Uh, and I'm very excited about this. Plus, um, we still have to get to this. Millennials like drinking at home. Perhaps because they can sit around and listen to the Incredible Hulk theme. I can't even do it with a straight face. <laughs> we'll be right back. It's smoking and toasting. <laughs> Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting, Houston's own uh, The Suffers. Uh, it's always interesting to uh, hear their music on the show, and, and uh, you and I were both at their uh, CD release party Thank you last for that, week. by it the was, way. That was wasn't that a great fantastic show? show? That was a great show. I love, I was, uh, my wife and I were talking about this last night, about, about how... Um, how silly the whole encore thing has become, right? Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Good night. We'll and be right back. We'll be right back, yeah. And I love how in their show she goes, I think now we're supposed to go off stage and wait for you to clap, but we're just going to like play these last couple songs anyway. Uh, that was just awesome. And then they jumped in right in with that tune right there. Yeah, yeah. It's very, great. very they cool. They were a great show. They're so great. Good. Even though uh, so much of the music was new and you know we, yeah. didn't, we didn't know, it was just still... Was still just fantastic. See, and I so I love that when I go to a live show. I love yeah. to go to a live show for a band that I like and I'm familiar with their music and mm-hmm. see them do what they do, which is new music, stuff yeah. I've never heard before. Stuff That's you one heard. of my yeah. favorite things. Oh, I love it. And I know a lot of people are opposite on that. Like they they look at it from the other perspective, like, well, they didn't play any of my favorite songs. Well, I have the recordings for those. Yeah, I can listen to those <laughs> pretty much any time I want you to. You know, so yeah. my thought process is show me something new. I'm excited about hearing new stuff, not just old stuff. Yeah, well, the, you also might, you know, not go out to that type of show if you're a millennial. Right, well, that's that's probably true, too. Because according to a new because study. Because it doesn't sound like your cell phone speakers. Uh, and according to a new study, millennials uh, don't like to go out as often, but they do like to drink. They just are apparently, and I'm reading this from the article, too lazy to go to the bar. <laughs> um, according to a survey conducted by a market research firm, Mintel, millennials prefer drinking at home more than other generations do. Nearly 30% of younger millennials, so that's 24 to 31-year-olds, nearly 31% reported they prefer drinking at home because going out takes, and I'm quoting here, too much effort. On the other hand, just 15% of the baby boomers who responded claimed the same thing. That's compared, So that's twice as much. I think I'm Generation boomers. X, aren't I? Uh, yeah, probably so. 
So they didn't they didn't bother asking. They skipped that whole yeah. middle one, right? Seems to be part of a greater trend of living life from the comfort of the couch. Millennials can order groceries from home, get restaurant food delivered, even date from home thanks to apps like Tinder. Why not drink at home too? Did you, did you say grinder? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but some millennial haters got really snarky on Twitter, accusing the generation of ruining everything. Uh, one said, "I support millennials drinking at home. That way, I won't uh, run into them." Um, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I'm just, I, I think it could also have to do with cost. I, I really do. Yeah, because millennials actually, as a generation, based on what I've read, are more cost conscious than maybe some of their uh, predecessors. And so you can certainly drink at home a lot cheaper than you can drink uh, going out. Like, for example, if you go to the Toyota Center and order two drinks, only one of which was a double, and your bill is $40. What? I feel like this has happened to you before. I don't know. I just made that up. <laughs> I don't think so, actually. Yeah, no, I think no, that's actually happening. You're right. I didn't make it up. It happened last night. <laughs> um, but, 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 but I digress. The, uh, uh, it is expensive to drink. At uh, outside, unless you have got a really great dive bar that you know that. Well, uh, I wonder. So I wonder, is this better? Because if you go out to drink, and listen, I've had very broke times. Okay, mm-hmm. um, if you go out to drink and you have X amount of money in your pocket, you also have to factor in your tip. Mm-hmm. Like you can't just say, "Oh, they're having you know two dollar Lone Star night," and and go out to that with twenty dollars and expect to have ten beers. You know that only equals. Right. You know, like you six gotta, beers. You got to tip your bartender. Right. Yeah. yeah. You have to tip your bartender. And and so, uh, what, you know, if you're being price conscious and you only have so much, maybe just buy a six pack and stay home. I don't know. Uh, well, apparently that's that's what's happening. Yeah. In, in a lot of cases. And think about it really. Here's a perfect example of where it kind of makes some sense wine. You know, we talk about beer prices when you buy it out. That bottle of wine. You're paying, in many cases, at a restaurant as much for a glass of that wine yeah. as you would pay for as the entire the bottle, bottle for, if yeah. you took it home. Yeah, yeah. True. In, not in every case, but but in many. So, but wine wine is more expensive than beer. Even cheap wine is more expensive yeah. than beer when you're drinking out. Yeah. And I think that they have to absorb the costs like that because once they open a bottle of wine, it's very yeah. finite. You That's know, true. beer comes in single serve containers that's true that's a very true statement or even in a keg which beer lasts much longer in look at this by the way this would isn't that a pretty package yeah it really is that is the eagle rare kentucky straight bourbon whiskey aged for 10 years and uh it says on the back the sort of little explanation the text starts out with the phrase life liberty and the pursuit of happiness I'm liking it already. All of those things. All of those things are Eagle Rare. Eagle Rare is one like so. There's a few. Um, there's a few whiskeys that I um, that I almost always keep on my shelf. Yeah. One of them is Buffalo Trace. Well, Buffalo Trace makes Eagle Rare. Exactly. So uh, and it's so good, mm-hmm. and it's twenty dollars for a seven fifty mil ish. You know, yeah, you right in that price range. It. It's mm-hmm. it's unbelievably inexpensive for how good it is. It's kind of like the anti whistle pig. Yeah. You know. Yeah. A really good one that's really expensive. Right. That you get the impression they could have made it cheap, but they just decided to make it expensive. Well, and, and so Whistle Pig, they cut no corners. But, you know, like Buffalo Trace is one of those things. I, I turned my brother onto this, and he was just baffled when I told him. Uh, we went out to Reserve 101, and we tried a few different whiskeys. And then finally, um, not too long before we were leaving, I was finishing up my cigars. So I don't have time for one more drink. I just went in and got a double Buffalo Trace. 
And he goes, oh, what are you drinking? I was just Buffalo Trace. He knew nothing about it. I have a sip. And he liked it better than a lot of the whiskeys he had tried previously that were two and three times the price of it. Hmm. And I said, you want to? You know what's funny about that? He goes, what? I said, that's $20 a bottle. And he was boggled by that. Now, the whole reason I'm bringing up the whole Buffalo Trace thing, because we're not trying Buffalo Trace right now, is because Eagle Rare is made by Buffalo Trace Distilling. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, I think, maybe their next level up. Because it's yeah. about $30 gotcha. for yep. a bottle. Yep. And still it's fantastic. Not, still not cost prohibitive. I mean, no, not it's by any so means. easy to spend 40 something dollars for a bottle and not hard at all to go upwards of that very, 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 very quickly. I would say so. for the $10 difference between the two, there's not probably $10 difference in in flavor and wonderful and, flavor. And However, the Eagle Rare is a little more refined overall. A um, lot more of the vanilla and and uh, the oaky kind of sweetness to See, the end. See, yes, I, I'm going to tell you, just based on my particular palate, and it's not a slam on Buffalo Trace at all because I'm not sure you can get something better for the money. But for me, that extra $10 is worth it right there. Yeah. Because what I really love in uh, a whiskey or a bourbon, um, this has for me. It's got that oakiness. It's got that yeah. uh, It's got that vanilla yeah. and that and that almost maple-y uh, uh, flavor to it. A little bit of cinnamon I, in there, I, too. I love that. But, again, that's just my particular palate. There, there are others that that might be... They might not be their favorite flavors they're looking for in their whiskey, and I think they would still like this, but they might not feel that it's worth the $10 upgrade over uh, the Buffalo Trace. So I think Buffalo Trace, to me, um, is slightly less refined overall. Now, I love it. And like I said, it's one mm-hmm. that I keep on my shelf at all times. It's great for mixing. It's great for everything. Eagle Rare is one that I also keep on my shelf. It, it's right next to my Knob Creek a lot this of times. This is really good. Because Knob Creek's a good, a good go-to as mm-hmm. well. So for me, uh, this versus the Knob Creek, it's like a different flavor profile mm-hmm. um, when you just want something different. It's like having Coke and Pepsi on the same shelf. You know, Sometimes you want this flavor. Sometimes you want that. But um, but to me, uh, I don't know that. I don't know that there's that much difference in how much I like the two. I actually like them both probably pretty equal, and I find that sometimes I just want a different flavor. This is almost got a little green apple to it as mm. well. Do you know what I'm talking about in that flavor? Nailed it. Mm. Nailed it. Like right right before you take a sip, if you just inhale slightly, right before you take mm-hmm. a sip, you just taste that. And there's just a touch of it on the finish, too. And cinnamon. In between. Yeah, and cinnamon. And cinnamon, which you don't get the cinnamon profile in the uh, Buffalo Trace. This has more vanilla, a little bit of cinnamon, and it has, like you said, that green apple. I didn't even think about that, but there's a little bit of that. And this has a lot of oak on the finish. So if you like that dry, oaky finish uh, with that sweet, slight maple kind of... This is is a good whiskey. Now, in the next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about the right cigars to pair with bourbon. And and I do have one uh, from the list that this is one of the suggested pairings. Oh, yeah, I bet. Uh, is this particular bourbon. I, I In drinking this right now, I, you can just, just kind of feel how easy this would pair with so many different it's, cigars. For whatever reason, the flavor profile in this bourbon I found um, with my cigar pairing with it, this bourbon wraps around a lot of cigars. It's very it's, the inviting, flavors yes. don't The flavors don't interfere with each other. It, this one generally lets the cigar flavors through the middle of it at, without without hindering it. You know, mm. Now, like the Candela that I talked about earlier today, 
probably wouldn't go with this particular whiskey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I feel like the mint profile plus what this had on there, maybe not, uh, maybe not compatible. But I bet almost any other cigar, you know, amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was I was just savoring that last <laughs> little that last little bit and hadn't swallowed it yet. So I uh, I. I that, wow, yeah, that was good. Now, I, I just, like this just very, very much. Do you take something like this, and these are weird things that I do. I don't know if everyone does this because, you know, I'm, I'm stuck in my own head half the time. And it's a weird place to be. Um, but well, sometimes I'll- Better than some of my friends who are more stuck in their own ass. So uh, it just, you know, it just really depends. But, like, one of the things I'll do is, especially something this mellow, like this has a mellowness This is a very mellowness, yeah. As I'll take it, and I'll, I'll take a small sip in my mouth, and I'll actually move it to different parts of my mouth yes. and try it on yes. different parts of my tongue. You if that sense any sense to you, if that no, makes any sense. It, it totally does. You can't do that with just any spirit. No, because you know? if it has too much heat to <laughs> yeah. it, you're just burning your tongue. Yeah, that's right. But, but yes, you're right. With this, you can. Mm-hmm. And I kind of was doing that, just moving it... More from the front to the Even back. Even under but, the tongue, yeah. you know, just uh-huh. trying it in uh-huh. different places. It's interesting what the flavor does mm-hmm. on the different areas of the palate. Would you add water to this? I always add one cube of ice. Interesting. But I always pour this a little heavy, too. Not you, my friend. <laughs> just Not saying. You. So, so my cube of ice doesn't dilute it as much as you'd think. There's usually, there's usually, uh, uh, there's usually enough... If our buddy, if our buddy Chris Hart is, is still watching, who is as knowledgeable about bourbon as anyone I know, um, Eagle Rare versus Buffalo Trace, uh, were Eagle Rare worth the extra ten bucks? That's that's a good question because ten bucks is not a lot, right? As no, upgrade but it's costs a substantial go. percentage. Sure, because because it's inexpensive enough. Right. But uh, but if you think about it, it's like well, I can have this. Or for ten bucks more, I can have this. I can probably swing the ten bucks. It's not like it's not like the ones that give me pause, where I look and I go, "That's really interesting looking," but it's ninety dollars. Right. Like right. so, right. then you're you're like, uh, you're like, I don't, I just don't know if it's worth that much more than the thirty dollar bottle of this. Well, let me let me put it this way though. If you're a novice mm-hmm. and you think, okay, I really want to have an impressive bourbon on my shelf, but I don't want to go spend a ridiculous amount. Mm-hmm. I don't want to mm-hmm. go spend, you know, whistle pig money. I don't want to go spend, you know, like that single right, barrel right, right, knob right. creek money. I was, mm-hmm. This is a great one to go to because it's $30 and it's amazing. Yeah. You know? And you'll get respect. And then- you could also have Buffalo Trace right next to it because they're not the same. Right, it's a different exactly. whiskey. You no, know, it's a different whiskey. So, that's really good. Point. You know, you would have a nice lineup there, and that's two that mm-hmm. I almost always have. You know, and then I always almost always have just a regular Knob Creek as well. Right, because they're different flavor profiles. Sometimes I want this. Sometimes I want that. Ian, when we return, ten cigars to pair with bourbon plus the bishop's barrel 21 speaking of bourbon that was aged in bourbon barrels so uh, so we're going to be all about the bourbon and all about the barrels and all about pairings coming up in our final segment it's show number 97 it's for a second i thought you were playing the hulk music again just for a second uh show number 97 uh, it's smoking and toasting and we will be right back Sorry, I did a whole reset on my iPad. So now nothing is the way I know it is. It's almost unusual. On the beach in Hawaii. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. It's show number 96. And we are brought to you by 
Um, our good friends at B&B Butchers and Restaurant. Um, we have not said this word on the show today, and I think it needs to be said. Bacon. Bacon. So good. <laughs> Bacon. B&B is at uh, 13, uh, I'm sorry, 18, 14, Washington Ave in Houston, and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. Obviously, their steaks are unbelievably good. Their bar is incredible. The selection that they have at the bar. So, I went over to meet Jeremiah to talk about some things a couple of weeks ago at B and B, and I'm like, okay, Jeremiah always runs a little late, so this is awesome. Not I'm my Jeremiah, gonna, no way. I'm just gonna sit at the bar and like get something really good. So I sit at the bar. I go, yeah, let me see. I'm I'm trying to act all cool, you know. Hey, let me see the uh, whiskey menu. Say, so bring me over the menu. I'm leafing through it, and I hear, hey, Cruz. He was early. Jeremiah what? was early. Yeah, so I didn't get to enjoy a, a fine whiskey from the. Uh, from the bar before our meeting, but that's all right. I'll go back. <laughs> I'll go back. Uh, they have they have a great bar, but bacon, bacon, bacon. is where it's at. You got chef Tommy bacon. bacon. So you know one of the cool things about it too is if you want to impress them, if you're going to have a date over and you're going to do like a uh-huh. steak night, you can go by there and buy your steaks because I don't know if you've ever tried, but dry aging a steak in your own refrigerator that's a tough thing to do. Well, let's just say it's worth it to have somebody else somebody do else it. handle that for you. So no, you can totally. go buy the dry aged steak. That you can't go get at your local grocery store. Now, mm-hmm. that being said, a lot of local grocery stores have great cuts of meat, but that place, you can buy that dry aged steak, take it home, and act oh, like dude. you're just making that good a steak. That, yeah, that's right. You can <laughs> totally. And you can do that with the bacon, too. That's what's crazy. Uh, yeah, and then yeah. you pick up the, and they have the whole kit. Like, yeah. you can make it exactly like they make it there. It's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. Hey, Carl uh, Malone, the NBA great, is entering the cigar business. Uh, he uh, recently launched a retail store, Legend Cigar and Vape, in Ruston, Louisiana, uh, where he actually owns a variety of restaurants. That's where nice. he's from. Uh, Ruston's also the home to uh, uh, Louisiana Tech, which is where Carl went to school. Uh, a separate business uh, with a mailmancigars.com email has been sending out invitations for a, a new launch at the uh, IPCPR Trade and Convention Show uh, that appears to be another Carl Malone project. And he was the guest of La Aurora at Pro Cigar. And the cigars are likely to be made. The Carl Malone cigars are likely to be made in the La Aurora uh, factory. Um, the indication is the cigar will be called Legends 32, which, uh, Adam, you remember Carl Malone's number? Was he 32? Is that right? Sounds right. So, I, I believe that's correct. I believe Sounds he's right. number 32. Uh, he's a basketball Har- Hall of Famer. He was a two-time NBA MVP, 14-time All-Star, 11-time NBA first-teamer, and a member of the NBA's 50th anniversary team, and he won two gold medals with Team USA. So what you're saying? He we was, welcome him to the cigar business. Pretty good yeah, at playing. He kind of had his act together. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> kind of had his act he together. He kept so. his eye on the ball. So I'm, yeah, I'm I'm really anxious to try one of his cigars. You know, uh, there's not that many celebrities in the cigar biz. Ray Lewis has a cigar, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, celebrity athletes, I guess I should. That say. That was a great there's article a in Cigar Aficionado last year with the Ray Lewis on the cover and everything. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, he's uh, he's a very interesting guy, and uh, you know. I'm not a big Baltimore Ravens fan, but I can appreciate Ray Lewis and what he uh, what what he offers to us. So, all right, um, we are going to talk about cigars to pair with bourbon. But first, I thought we should open a bourbon barrel aged St. Arnold, the St. Arnold Bishop's Barrel Series. Ian, why is this so significant, and why do people like? fall over themselves to get a hold of the Bishop's Barrel. So the Bishop's Barrel is a series of uh, series of beers that St. Arnold's put out that are all 
barrel aged, okay? Oh, I love that sound. And they do different barrels for different things, and they use different beers. So, like, you buy one of these, and all the labels look the same except for that number on top. And the labels tell you usually nothing about the beer inside. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, did they change that? Do they actually have what the beer is on the back of that? Um, no, it just no. it's about the Bishop's Barrel series. It right, says, okay. So it tells you about the Bishop's Barrel series. So the, the label itself the tells you nothing about the beer except for uh, the number. It's Bishop's Barrel number whatever, right? right? So this is the 21. This is the latest one that comes out. Now, people will stand in line when this comes out to buy it immediately. It's also very... Uh, very allotted. Uh, only certain stores get only certain amounts right, and that kind of thing. And, and St. Yes. Arnold's just not that big of a brewery. I mean, they have pretty big output for as small as they are, but they're just not yeah, that but, big of a brewery. But they are awesome. They are awesome. Yeah. And uh, and I love all of their seasonals. Like they just make me so happy. You know. It's you know I realize it's July, but Oktoberfest will I'm be out so, so excited soon. about that because their Oktoberfest is so good. Yes, and you know we're going to review the Oktoberfest. Yeah, even, even though we've though, reviewed it twice before. Yeah, even though we reviewed it the last two times <laughs> it came out. Yep, yep, it's going to happen. I'm so the Bishop's Barrel happen. Number Twenty One, uh, they used a Belgian quadruple ale. Like so they take already. right, yeah. I mean, you know, that's right up my alley. They take different uh, different styles and then they barrel age them, and you never know what you're going to get until it comes out. So this one was aged. I'll read it right off the uh, website here. Um, this is a Belgian quadruple aged in Woodford Reserve bar bourbon barrels oh, for 15 months. I love me some Woodford Reserve. Now here's where it gets interesting. The base beer is their Divine Reserve Number no. 13 recipe, which was obviously a Belgian quadruple. Yep, yep, and by yep. the way, I think I have some of that at the house. Some 13. Oh, and I have another bottle of this. So it might be interesting to taste those back to back since they came from the same thing. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm going to have to look at that. I'm awaiting my invitation. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's see. Right off the website again, the beer pours a dark mahogany color with tan head, aroma bursts with baked cherries soaked in bourbon, notes mm -hmm. of honey, maple syrup, toffee, and graham cracker. This just sounds like. Amazing, doesn't it? Sounds, uh, sounds like the, something we could be talking about. The for a quad while. base can be found with notes of fig and dates, while the uh, sweetness adds some body and provides a backbone wow. um, to balance the high alcohol. Now, wow. I want to, I want to tell you why they say that because the base liquid that went into that barrel was eleven percent. Oh, the base. And it's more now. When it comes out, it's twelve and a half percent. Holy moly! So you, you were about to imbibe me. and twelve and a half percent ridiculousness. Well, I can just say as you were reading about the description, you mentioned the cherry and and the fig and the date. And I put oh, my nose to it. Fruit and the dark smell. fruit oh. is just uh dominating the nose. And the fig and the dates, oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so good I stuck my this nose. This tastes in it like again. this tastes uh, this I tastes like, in the most wonderful way, I want you to understand this. This tastes like a Fig Newton drenched in cherry juice. And drenched in wonderful bourbon. Oh, yeah, and bourbon. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, this is amazing. Wow. Uh, and and fig, you don't think of Fig Newton as being one of the more elegant cookies, but think of the most elegant Fig Newton you can think of. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, you've already uh, taken a sip of this. So. This, is, this lays across the entire palate. Like it, it starts at the tip of the tongue, goes all the way back to the bitter and sour regions of the tongue. There's, it's not really sour, but you get a little of that sour cherry bitterness uh -huh. in yes, there. Yes, you do. Rolls right off into just this mouth-watering, 
wonderful like fig and date kind of thing going on. Let me just tell you, this is not one of uh, so often when we have something that's barrel aged, it's got this huge thick mouth feel, this viscosity. This is not like that at all. This mouth feel wise is almost more like an IPA. Well, that okay, or so that that goes with the base liquid because most of the time when you barrel age something, you're barrel aging a stout. And a stout has right. that bigger mouth. And this is overall. a Belgian, so this is a Belgian quad. So it's going to have that lighter, fruitier kind of. This has some of the best fruity flavors in. in it's amazing, and it keeps developing. It's unbelievably like the good. retro hail is so delicious on this. It's unbelievably good. Okay, Adam, have you tried this? Yeah, <laughs> look at the smile. Adam on his is just face. nodding and smiling, <laughs> which is another millennial thing: nodding and smiling. Right. Yes. Uh, but no, I, I'm just going to tell you. Often, I find these um, beers like the Bishop's Barrel series or some of the more exotic beers. We have a tendency to do in the last segment. We usually save the biggest beer yes. of the show for the last segment. I often find some of these more exotic beers to be very interesting to taste. Like I really enjoy the the tasting of it, but I don't know that I want how much I want time I want to spend drinking it, if that makes sense. Like it's more interesting to taste for the flavor than it is to like I want to pull one of these out of the fridge when I get home and pour it into a glass as a down. This like I just want to keep drinking this. Yes. Like it's just so eminently enjoyable. Not only do you get all of that fascination with mm. the flavor but you get this wow i want another drink yeah. feeling uh, uh another swallow of that that doesn't you necessarily know, always happen at least for my palate it's interesting too because there's a cherry dark dark cherry, cherry tartness yeah. to it yes like the it. cherry's not sweet cherry it's a mm -mm. dark cherry tartness and that's and and you'd think okay well that almost makes it a tart beer but it's not it has a little bit of tartness but that tartness is almost completely wiped out at the end of the flavor profile by the oak woodiness that's in there as well and then the fruitiness comes back as a as a it's just that's that's amazing i'm going to say this right now we've had a number of these on the show and i think you brought one or two to my house that we sampled that that we didn't necessarily try on the show I will tell you that based on that fairly small body of work, this is my favorite Bishop's Barrel I've ever had. That might be my favorite. It's Bishop's fantastic. Barrel. I mean, this really is. I, I'm just going to say this to you now. If you can find 21, buy it. That's it's amazing. It's amazing, and this is not. This is something you really should experience if you are even remotely. And you know what? You don't even have to be somebody that's huge into the bourbon barrel aged uh, spirits and and you know, bourbon barrel aged stouts and things like that, I think to enjoy and appreciate this. Well, so a couple things to keep in mind, too. If this is not your style, when you buy this, you buy a bottle mm -hmm. and split it with somebody. Mm -hmm. Because you drink a whole bottle of that at 12.5%, buddy, you're going to feel it. Holy moly, yes. You, yeah. You're absolutely right. You're gonna, I mean, that's like slamming two and a half Budweiser's right there, just mm -hmm. like that. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. All right, I want to I want to pass this on. I'm very excited about uh, about getting a chance to talk with this. I am a customer of JR Cigars, although you know, again, I do, I do want to mention we strongly support uh, our brick and mortar and local guys, and we uh, I buy from them whenever I can. Sometimes though, I like to buy online and and you know find a few different things or maybe shop some specials or whatever. it is a little easier to shop when you're drinking online. Yes, that's very true. 
That's and true. safer. Yeah, and not and for the wallet. But also, it's easier to shop like in your underwear online than, uh, you know, at the at the brick and mortar store. Noted. Yeah, just saying. I'm just telling you from experience. Is that where I'm going wrong? <laughs> All right, ten cigars to pair with bourbon came from an email that I got from Jr. Cigar, which then took me to a video which I watched, and I was like, I was fascinated by it. I started writing down notes so I could share it with you guys. Uh, so originally from Jr. Here you go. <clears throat> They start out, these are in no particular order, but they started out talking about the Casa Fernandez and Warped um, Association uh, collaboration cigar called Guardian of the Farm. You remember oh, yeah. this one? It has the little bulldog oh, on God, it. I've got one yeah. in the, uh, the uh, humidor right. right now. So this is one of their top cigars to pair with bourbon, and they recommend it to be paired with a Knob Creek or Buffalo Trace. Nice. So, very nice. That is a great cigar, the Guardian of the Farm. And they come, actually have a tendency to come, I think, in slightly smaller ring gauges, but they are they are just delicious. Um, number two, and these are not numbered, by the way. I'm just, second one on my list. One of my very favorite cigars in the world right now, the H. Upman by A.J. Fernandez. Mm. I love this cigar. <laughs> I really do. They recommend pairing it with Basil Hayden. Yeah, I like some Basil Hayden. Yeah. So Basil Hayden is though that's in a forty dollar range for a bottle. Yes, and and the H Upman by AJ is a fairly stout cigar. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not it's not a you know it's not a, a, a La Flor Dominicana, but it's it's a it, it's a pretty stout. cigar. If you can find it, Basil Hayden has a rye as well. Mm-hmm. It's just tough mm-hmm. to find apparently. Mm-hmm. El Rey del Mundo's Maduro. Now, here's a fairly straightforward cigar. Yeah. Not quite as complex, maybe, as some of the other ones we've mentioned. They recommend going with a bolder, heavier bourbon uh, with this particular cigar, that it just matches up um, w- very well with the uh, the sort of straightforward tobacco flavors mm-hmm. in the El Rey del Mundo Maduro. And the Maduro, of course, has got some sweetness, and that uh, pairs well with the bolder and heavier uh, bourbon. Uh, they like the Romeo 1875 from mm. uh, uh, from uh, Romeo and Julieta. Uh, they talked about the Toro, but they recommended it with a um, a smoother bourbon, like a Maker's Mark, is what they is what they recommended with that. Uh, they also mentioned the Drew Estate Underground Box Press Churchill, which I'm going to mm. tell you right now is Undergrounds the are best. So good. Underground Undergrounds are so good, and that's the best of the Underground. They didn't specify a uh, a bourbon with that one. So, Ian, I was wondering about appealing to your knowledge, like you, like what sort with of an a, Undercrown with an Undercrown. Oh. What's where would you where would you head first? Okay, so with an Undercrown because of the flavor, flavor profile and the pepper on it. Mm-hmm. I like if I have a peppery, like spicy cigar, which the underground definitely is has definitely a profile. That. Yes, um, then uh, then I like a, a a whiskey that has a little sweeter, a bourbon that has a little sweeter profile to mm-hmm. it. So um, let me see, going through myself. See, I, I always think Scotch first, but <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but if you're thinking go, bourbon, let me go straight up bourbon on that. Uh, that Eagle Rare, I think, would be probably a pretty good profile with it because of the sweetness that it has. I would also probably recommend, um, like a Rebecca Creek, something right, that like has, a blended whiskey. Uh, yeah, from, something that has a little bit of interest to it because while the Undercrown is a delicious, wonderful cigar, it's not. Um, 
it's not truly complex. Mm -hmm. So it's okay to put something a little more complex with it that will play with the flavors. Yeah, we'll play with the flavors right. and pull out some of the so flavors. So maybe something too. like that, or even like a Woodford Reserve or uh, um, you know, something that like just it. has a little more boldness to it overall, like a little it. more sweetness to it. I like it. Uh, the Foundation, El Giugense. Um, this is... We've talked about this cigar before because I remember talking about not knowing how to pronounce it, and I'm not even sure that I did that uh, correctly. <laughs> but that is the cigar they recommended uh, with Eagle Rare. Oh, nice. So from Foundation Cigars, so check that out. Uh, the Camacho Nicaraguan Barrel-Aged Cigars. Now, what's interesting about the Camacho Nicaraguan Barrel-Aged is they're actually barrel-aged in rum barrels, mm -hmm. not whiskey barrels. Uh, but they recommend this with like a Michter's American uh or something along that line. And they talk in the video about how it, it's the aging in the rum barrels that actually makes the pairing interesting. Because right, because it, it adds like maybe a it should sweetness be aged to in it. a whiskey barrel. But and the Michter's, the, yes. I don't know if you're familiar with the American whiskey, but the Michter's American whiskey, which is quite delicious, has a, a little bit of a, a bitterness to the end of it uh, that you right. don't get with a lot of whiskeys. A lot and of it whiskeys, makes it yeah, very bourbon, interesting yeah. as mm -hmm. well. Um, they also mentioned the Brick House Maduro. Brick Love House those. is a great cigar. Uh, they suggest it with a smokier bourbon. I can uh, see that. Yeah. So, so what would like a good smokier bourbon would be something like? Remember that campfire we tried? Oh, that was good and that was smoky. <laughs> yes, yes, that was. That was that smoky. High West uh, campfire. I bet mm -hmm. that would that would not. So, but okay. So I've had that cigar. Uh, I love the uh, the whole brick line, uh, brick brick house line. But the brick house Maduro, I think, is just such a solid, wonderful stick. And I almost always go. I almost always end up going to Scotch. Now I do my whiskey sniff a lot of times. So mm -hmm. while I don't consciously go, "Hey, I want to try this bourbon," I do know a lot of times if I have a certain flavor profile in my mouth, I don't go to certain areas. Like I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna smell Lafrague and go, "Hmm, I wonder if this is gonna pair with that particular cigar." But uh, in general, I just let my nose kind of. Take me where I need take to go. Nose, on, yeah. Let your nose do the talking, yeah. And for those of you who don't know what the whiskey sniff is, that's where I get the cigar flavor profile in my mouth, and then I go smell my whiskeys and see which one just smells right with it. And also the whiskey sniff is going to be our first official smoking and toasting event. Which it's happening. actually a lot more fun than it sounds. Like yes. the, the whiskey sniff is a blast. It's going to be and it's going to be coming up in uh, November. Uh, I'm sorry, in October. October, October yes, 10th. So. Yeah, so very excited about that. So more details uh, will be coming from us on that. Let me finish out the list here. The list here. Uh, was that 12% that we just drank? I, I'm starting to say LISC instead of LISC. 12 and a half. 12 and a half. Uh, the Perdomo Bourbon Barrel Aged Connecticut. This is one that's uh, one of your cigars that you recommended uh, to go with uh, with a single malt. So the bourbon barrel aged Connecticut, I'm not as familiar with, but the Perdomo anniversary. Oh, you're thinking? I'm, you're right. I'm thinking the anniversary. Their, yeah, yeah, their tenth anniversary. I think that one and the uh, Glenmorangie ten, the basic the yeah. original Glenmorangie. Like for whatever reason, those two cigars just form just, like Voltron yeah, and create to, something yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, in this case, they were talking about the bourbon barrel aged Connecticut, and they recommend that with a smoother uh, bourbon. Uh, whereas you know, the brick house was with the smokier. Uh -huh. I said this I one. I got a go, Leopold Brothers that I bet Leopold. would go really well with that. Mm -hmm. Man, we gotta we gotta like hang out. <laughs> we gotta hang out more often. Uh, finally, they mentioned uh, the Davidoff uh, Winston Churchill the Late Hour Cigar, which, if I'm not mistaken, is 
one of the more expensive cigars out there right now. That's not like the super ridiculous, like, you know, price in the thousands. Now, the whole Davidoff, uh, Winston Churchill line are delicious cigars. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Outstanding. And usually I like a cigar with a fuller flavor profile than that has, but that has such a good flavor profile. And they're barely into the medium. They're probably on the light side versus the. Versus the medium side of the right. flavor profile, but they're so good. The smoke is so good. The construction is so good. You got to give them that. Davidoff is going to charge you for the name. They're going to charge mm-hmm. you for the price and the prestige of smoking a Davidoff. But it's a damn good cigar. From about eighty-seven to three hundred and fifty dollars. Oh, that's it for the late hour. Yeah, depending on what. So you get. that's going to go beyond. Like we have, we have lawnmower level. We have our premium level. We have our super premium level. What is that? Yeah. Well. Okay. So so let's be uh, let's be clear. I'm just looking at looking it up in Cigars International right now uh, for the Robusto, which is going to be less expensive. Uh, a box of twenty is three hundred and thirty-two dollars. So honestly, that could be worse. That's not like. I've seen cigars oh, yeah, yeah. that are more ridiculous than that. So I mean, I think like God of Fire and a few others are in that price range, right. too. It, that's right? what it yeah, reminds yeah. me of, yeah. Like a God of Fire, some of the more expensive. Opus X. Opus X. Yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. So, so those, uh, are, so those aren't totally there. outlandish, but yeah, that's that's you expect a pretty good cigar at that price. Well, I have to tell you, I am uh, very impressed with the St. Arnold Bishop's 21. I'm uh, very impressed with the Eagle Rare. That we had. Today. Were, I think those were the big winners of the show. Two definite um, winners. Yeah, uh, a good ass beer uh, was what it was. I think they could drop the first word, and I think <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think that would change the meaning substantially. And uh, I, I want you to know, I'm going to spend spending some more time with this Oscar Blues Blue Ferrigno IPA because what what happened to me was I liked it better at first, and then didn't like it as much. Um, you know, uh, didn't like it quite as much as as we went a little further with it. So I know what you're trying to do, and it's a perfect way to close the show. And I think this is just how we'll go out. I want to say thank you to everyone for uh, being a part of Smoking and Toasting number 97. Uh, the 100th show free-for-all is on the way. I can't wait for it. It's going to be a blast. And um, I'm just... I'm psyched to be uh, to be a part of something that's actually gone 100 episodes. This is uh, this is going to be fun. Have a great week, my friends. My name is Cruz. My partner is Ian Barry, and as always, we bid you farewell and uh, cheers. And thanks, cheers. Thanks to uh, Adam in the booth on the wheels of steel. He's a millennial, you know. But in fairness, he does go out drinking with me. So. <laughs>